Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview episodes here, episode number 179. And finally, after tugging, and Dave, I was starting to feel like I was the dentist, and you were the you were the uh, uh, the patient that didn't want to come in and visit the dentist here for your checkup or something. No, 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 no. Okay. No, I- I've been waiting patiently, waiting patiently. <laughs> uh, Dave Hubert, the head girls basketball coach at Ashland Greenwood High School here in Nebraska on the podcast. Dave and I have known each other for a long, long time here, and, and we've, we we kind of hit and miss, hit and miss. Uh, been trying to get him on for a while, and, and uh, we are raring to go here today. But before we get to Coach Hubert, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the code of the Twitter handle. So be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, you're on iTunes. Download, rate, review, give us five stars, subscribe. That's the biggest thing I can ask you to do. If you're subscribing, that means we move up in the ratings. That means when people look up coaching basketball podcasts, they they see a pen and a napkin much sooner. And so take a look at it. And please, if you would be willing to do so, do that. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Mr. Hubert, the most important question I can ask you this morning. Are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. What are you having I'm for breakfast? Uh, a cup of coffee. <laughs> Just a cup of coffee. I, I thought you were going to buy me, you know, we're doing this remotely. I, I was looking forward to having a pancake with you, but I'm just, I'll just have a cup of coffee this well, morning. I, yeah. You know, you got to remember, I, I taught at parochial schools for 22 years. You're, you've been a lifelong public school teacher. You're way, uh, you're in a way different wait, tax bracket than I am. Wait, I'm just, wait, Marty, I'm just learning I, this luxurious <laughs> lifestyle of a public school teacher. Right. Uh, no, I, you're, you're wrong. I started at Sioux City Elon, so I was Catholic. I was Catholic school that's, in Sioux that's, City, 1988. For for how long though? Two years. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a that's a that's a drop in the bucket there. So. Yeah. 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 But I was I was I was in the uh, Catholic schools of Sioux City uh, district for three years. So I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Was there for three years and uh, uh, huh. yeah, you are uh, you are definitely working for the service of the Lord, so to speak. Yep. When, when you, yes. you when you when you were there. So, uh, but <laughs> en- en- enough about that, uh, uh, Dave. So happy to have you on here this morning. Um, uh, let's just let's just dive into it here, sir. Um, tell us a, a little bit about yourself, uh, your basketball journey for folks that don't know about uh, your journey in the game, and and how you ended up as the head girls basketball coach at Ashland Greenwood. Okay, well, I started at Sioux City Healing um, back in the late eighties because I'm an I'm an Iowa boy, so I was I went to college and played basketball up at Westmar, up in Lamar's. Oh yeah. Um, was it was it Take Your Westmar at that time, or was it just no. still Westmar? Nope, you're still Westmar. Okay, all right. You're still Westmar. So you know, we played in that 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 whole uh, Dort or uh, Northwestern Briarcliff. I mean, that that's a that's a pretty strong league up there with the, in the uh, Jeep. Well, it's GPAC now, yep. you know. Um, but yeah, I grew up listening to Briarcliff basketball and Morningside basketball, and ended up playing in that league. And then uh, my first job, I got hired. Do you know you know Doug Moody that used to oh, sure. coach at Miller? So, yeah, 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 Doug, yeah, I was I was Doug Moody's assistant at Sioux City Healing. That's where Doug Moody came from. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So I was Doug's assistant up there for for a couple of years doing boys basketball. Um, and then we moved down here, and I jumped on with Papillion and La Vista um, in 1990. And I was actually the reserve girls coach. So I practiced on the stage and won one game with a group of girls that were delighted to win one game that never won before. Uh, so I, you know, I kind of went from a, a pretty high level uh, varsity football assistant and varsity boys basketball assistant to a reserve girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I was with Bob Williams. Remember Bob Williams? It was at mm-hmm. uh, Chuck Johnson and those mm-hmm. guys that were, um, all Papio coaches. So, um, I was there shortly. Then Kevin Albers, you know, Mitch Albers and yep. Tyler Albers. Yep. Um, I coached for their dad. Um, he asked me to come over and be his assistant through the early 90s. Um, so I was with them. And then I, I got hired as the head girls coach in the mid-90s there. And was there for 20 years mm-hmm. as the head girls coach. And then um, jumped over... Um, started getting towards the end of my retirement for teaching and I uh we live out in Gretna you know so I jumped on with Jerome and, and had a really good time out here with Jerome for probably six or seven years and um then retired from um well I was going to retire from, from coaching and Ashlyn Greenwood came calling and so I jumped on Mm-hmm. So it's been fun. Mm-hmm. Been fun. So last yep. three years I've been down in Ashland. So. Yep. Yep. Um, you uh, you had a really good run at Papillion. Correct me if I'm wrong here on this, Dave. This is uh, all uh, World Wide Web research here. Uh, you had a really really consistent program there. Did a lot of really good things. Uh, I think you went to the state tournament. I believe I read ten times. Is that correct? Yeah, we yeah. were there. We went. We got down to state. 10 times in 20 years. So we're about 50, 50 there for, yeah. So that was, yeah, Uh, that's a good run. That's an outstanding run. Um, the, the one thing, um, that you, that you didn't get along the way though, was that a elusive state championship, you know? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I, 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 you know, uh, obviously you're, you're, you're blessed, uh, to be in the fight, to be close that many times, but to not come away with that, uh, you know, what did you what did you learn about coaching this game, about coaching in general, working with young people, uh, having that rate of sex, success, but not being able to, you know, bring home that brass ring, so to speak. Yeah, uh, that's funny because you're exactly right, and I've had that conversation with many young coaches. I did get a taste of it. See, we won the state title with the boys in 93. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was with Papio Boys, I was the assistant. And Kevin Albers and, and, and Kevin Cush, remember him from oh, yeah. Boys Town? Yep. Well, we, we were the three there, and, and we won the 93 Class A championship against Omaha Burke. Alvin Mitchell, remember those yep. guys? Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, I got a taste of it there. But as far as you're correct, with the with the – girls and my team um we were so close and we were right there knocking on the door and 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 never got it done um so i guess the question is that i think we're leading into is do you coach for that championship and and once you get it 
you're fulfilled, right? Yep. Um, and I would say, honestly, if that's what you're coaching for is to get a championship um, only, I don't think you, you, I think you'll get frustrated and you'll probably get out of the profession, you know? And I think the fact that I've, I've realized that you don't have to have a championship, it's not really about you and your championship. It's, it's about these kids and what you can squeeze out of your team every year, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think it's a great goal. I certainly, we have that goal down in Ashland right now. We want to get down to state. We want to get down there and get, you can't win it if you don't get down there. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, I was blessed with, with, with chances at it. No doubt. Chances at it. We had some really close games and tight games down there where we had, we had, we went home and, and the other team went on and won it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you, you've got to – I think you got to see the bigger picture. I think if you get too focused on yourself and and, and, and walking around with that ring on your finger, I, I think you lose perspective a little bit. Yeah. What's maybe the the biggest lesson that you learn from it that, you know, now that you're at Ashland um, and you're back in that head coaching situation – what are probably you know kind of the biggest things that you're you're taking from those experiences at Papillion that you're that it, when it comes to that part of it because you guys have, you know uh, I, I think you came I think you got to a district final a couple of years ago maybe Dave I, I'm trying to yeah down yeah, there yeah yeah so, um, yeah we, yeah and actually yeah it's different you know yeah um, we were two I think we got. Yeah, the last two years we've been in the district final. Mm-hmm. But down there, then you got one more, you know, in C1. Mm-hmm. Class A, your district final means you're going, right? Yep. Um, um, but, yeah, in Class C1, you, you've got one more game yet, you yeah. know. Yep. Um, you, uh, you, you went from a head coach, longtime head coach, 20 years. Uh, you had been an assistant before that, like you had said. Uh, but then you go out and you work with Jerome, our, our, our mutual friend, Jerome Skirdla, uh, yep. out there at Gretna and, and you guys were getting what, f- three, four years was it? Or was it longer than that? I'm trying to remember. When, when I was out there? Yeah. Yeah. Six. Six. I, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I know. It, it, Marty, I went, when I was going to, knew I was going to be talking with you this morning, I kind of went back and reflected on the, the coaching profession and where I was and who I learn from and you know i didn't realize how long i had been an assistant you know a lot of guys you only i don't somehow i I guess it's human nature to only count your coaching careers when you were a head coach yeah because our ego tells us you know that those are my teams those are my records those are but i started reflecting on that and i was under uh doug moody uh who who was a really good coach out of city you know that and and bob williams that Aaron down here, Kevin Albers, Jerome Scudler. So I was under four different um, head coaches in four different programs and 15 years. Yeah. You know, I've been, I was only head, well, no, I was head coach 23 years. So I'd be probably, yeah. 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 So a dozen years or whatever, 15, 14 years underneath other people. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't any less significant. And I think that's what, you know, you know, Seth Reeser, you know, Seth at Papio now, mm-hmm. my, my longtime assistant JV coach at Papio. He's, you know, I see him all the time over there. He's working and, and loving it and has just as much impact on the game and kids as a head coach would. And he's not any less significant. He's over there working his tail off and he's very comfortable with being an assistant coach and loving it, you mm-hmm. know. So, so I think that 
if we're going to get people in the coaching profession and stay in the coaching profession, a lot of them are saying, no, I don't want to deal with parents. I don't want to deal with this or that. I'm just not going to do it. I think we've got to get people that are willing to be long-time assistants Mm -hmm. and being okay with that. Yep. you know, I'm being okay with that. And and just, you're not any less significant than anybody else, you know. And and like Seth over there, he just, he's done a great job, did a great job for me. And he's had a, a great impact on Papio girls basketball and done it for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And, and as, you know, as the assistant there and, and enjoying it and raising his family and doing that. So, yeah, I think we've got to get past that. I've got to be a head coach or I'm not going to coach. You know, so so let's go let's go down the line here. Um, look, give me one real quick here, ten, fifteen, twenty seconds. Uh, what did you take from each one of the four guys that you that you worked for? Let's start with Doug. What what's you know what's the first thing that pops into your head that you learned from Doug Moody? Uh, intensity. We we were intense. I mean, we were the boys basketball up there, and between Joe Burkhart, who's at Sergeant <laughs> Bluff right now, and yeah, I don't know if you know Joe Burkhart, he was an ex Marine, yeah, and me and Doug Moody, there was you, there were it, practicing, practicing hard. I am not kidding you. If you walked into that gym on any night, you would have thought we were in the middle of the state championship every night. I mean. You talk about intense, maybe a little bit. We, we were pretty vocal, and we—I mean, there was not a—you, there was not a chair in the gym. Nobody, you, know, you wouldn't even think about resting, leaning on a wall, or sitting. I mean, it was practicing hard. We mm-hmm. practiced hard. Mm-hmm. Practiced Co- hard. Coach Williams at Papio. Um, organization, um, details, pay attention to, to um, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, pay attention to everything. Nothing, leave nothing up to chance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, p- practices were, were planned out um, minute by minute. Um, you know, uh, bus trips, everything totally organized. Mm-hmm. Organization is, is, is key and organization is is one of the fundamental uh, aspects of having a good program. Yep. Albers. Albers. Um, passion for the game. He loved basketball. He grew up around, you know, he was down at Nebraska um, as, a, as a manager um, in his early days. Uh, just passion for basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, just um, talking about it, living it, thinking about it, reading about it, drawing up plays on a napkin, you know. Yeah. Um, just... Just all the time. Just, just it's always, it's always there. You're constantly, constantly looking for ways to, to, um, to get better. Mm-hmm. And Jerome, Jerome, um, program building a program. As you know, he used to be out at Fort Calhoun yep. way back. Yep. And and uh, youth programs, games, getting. You know, he was a pretty pretty big volume guy where he knew, okay, we had 34 games this summer. Or we got, and just knowing, you know, and, and he's still, run, you know, um, Michaela's still running their JV team camps and their um, varsity team camps. And um, the youth program, one of the one of the best youth programs probably in the, in the state, you know. Mm-hmm. Big numbers, just, just uh, getting kids involved. And then... Um, Pushing them through, keeping them going, um, get, getting them out there, and, and, and like I said, he knew he, he'd get 30, 30, 35 games a summer with those some of those kids, you know. Yep, yep. When you uh, so so you you're you're an assistant for quite a while. 
uh, seven, eight years, and then you're a longtime head coach, and then you go back to being an assistant for Jerome. Uh, what was that change like? You know, how did that, you know, perhaps change your perspective uh, as you headed into your next head coaching job at Ashland? Yeah. Well, you got it. One thing when when you got two old guys that experienced, oh, experienced, experienced and seasoned. We don't use the O word on a pen no, and a no. napkin. Se- seasoned. Yes. yes seasoned. And Jerome was quite a bit more seasoned than me. Than me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, still is. But um, no, what what you got to have a special guy to be able to take that. Uh, Jerome, you can't have a big ego and have another head coach come in or you got problems. Mm-hmm. Um, he was willing to let me be the defensive guy and he was the offensive guy. And we almost kind of, you're constantly telling me, you know, we're co-head coaches. It, it, it is very, I don't know a lot of people that could go from being a head coach to an assistant coach, unless, unless you're, you know, you're very, very seasoned and you're really slowing down and you don't care anymore. You just love, you're, you're fine with just riding the bench and, and, having fun and being around kids. But if you're still getting after it, you know, it's, it's, you got to have the right combination to have two, two head coaches mm-hmm. two, you know, otherwise it's, it can be a little bit too many cooks in the kitchen type of thing. Mm. Oh yeah. And that, and that's, that can be a problem. A lot of people mm-hmm. think, well, it's great to have this great coach and this guy, you know, oh. it's, it's just like, it's just like with the kids on the floor, there's only one ball and there's five players. Everybody's yeah. got to have a role and not everybody can have the ball. And I think yeah. I, I've seen that happen with stabs before. Oh, definitely. And usually they end up breaking up that they'll the guy will be there and all of a sudden you'll see one, they're gone and it won't, it won't last. So you got to have a, 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 a seasoned, wise head coach like Jerome was to be able to to – handle that situation mm-hmm. and and the guy coming in like me had to know when to when to you know um take charge and when to back off and 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 be the second mm-hmm. be, step step away and let somebody else take the forefront because let's be honest when you know i've been at uh, as you have you know we go to creighton practices and we go to to Nebraska practices and we go to the USD practices and we watch these, these head coaches. And I was, down, I was interesting. I was down there watching uh, this fall, uh, Jim Flannery. Uh-huh. And, and I, and I hadn't seen, uh, you know, my son played on Connie Ory's, uh, basketball squad, uh, on the practice squad men's, you know, had, they have a group of college kids playing against the women. So Connie Ory was down there and I was a bit surprised how Jim, it, he he was in charge. There was no doubt about it. You didn't see Connie piping in or anybody else who's in. I mean, he was he was the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else they kind of knew the pecking order and they knew. But if you have two head coaches both trying to be the guy, that could be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was and that so? Was that hard for you? Hard for me? Yeah. Um. Well, it would have been a lot harder unless. If it wasn't for Jerome, because sure. Jerome was so good about knowing when he was letting me be the guy at, at, at times mm-hmm. where like he, if I was going to go with it, we would talk and he'd give me that look and I would go with it. And he was OK with not being the guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so that that's the key is that he was willing to step back and let me 
roll and you know throw a fit or do whatever you know raise the roof and get people rolling and we're not gonna we got to be better than this you know all that stuff you do as a coach when you elevate the blood pressure a little bit in a practice and it's really not uh, that's the only thing i learned too is that too many coaches i think it's all about smelling the popcorn and raising the roof on game nights well on game night and i've seen raise the roof meaning you know you're you're um, geeked up. You're getting after it. Yeah, yeah you're stoked up. You're getting after it. And what you find, what you find is, is that that's game night stuff, and that gets you in trouble. That gets you technicals. That gets you whatever. And, and parents see it. But when you need to get stoked up is in practice, and that that's when you get stoked up, and you don't allow slippage, and you don't allow sloppy ball handling. You don't allow sloppy passing. You, you take pride in the basketball. You take good shots. You don't play selfishly. Those are when you demand those things. You don't demand them on game night. By then, the, the girls are only going to do what you've trained them to do. Mm-hmm. They're a reflection of you on game night. Mm-hmm. Now, in practice, that's when you get stoked up. Mm-hmm. You know, Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. You know, you Dave, you went from Papio, La Vista, uh, solid right in the meat of the, the Class A enrollment as a head coach for a long, long time. And now you go to a much smaller school. A C. You skipped a whole class. You skipped Class B. You went down to C1. <laughs> uh, now, you know, you guys are probably on the track to be in Class B pretty consistently here pretty soon. Uh, but but nonetheless, it's it's a significantly different uh, community than what you had coached in for the majority of your your head coaching career. Uh, what have what have been some some things uh, some adjustments that you've made? What's been different about it? Uh, what have you you know enjoyed about being at at Ashland Greenwood? Well, you know it's funny because I've had this conversation with several. I had one with outside of Boys Town yesterday, um, and. I've had this conversation with two or three other guys in the profession who actually, uh, without naming names, just guys that are around that are about ready to do what you and I have done uh, and said, hey, I'm a little jealous of you. And I'm like, "Um, jealous of me? You know, I'm 25 pounds overweight and (laughs) five foot six. You're jealous of me? (laughs) You know what? And and they're like, no, 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 not you personally. Uh, I'm, I'm jealous of what you're doing. And I'm like, what's that? And they said, we are stuck in the meat of things, like you said, right in the middle of this high pressure, all this stuff. I want a small town. I want to go to a small town where where you got one school in town. You're not, you're not, athletes aren't fighting over borderlines on which school you're going to. 
We got one school in town. If you live in Ashland, you're playing at Ashland, right? Yeah. And and uh, we're the and part of it is our our boys down there are quite a role right now with back to back state championships. Sure, sure. And and but you got a really good community support and for and it's growing. You're kind of on the growing edge of things, kind of like Gretna was 25 years ago when we moved out here to Gretna. My kids, we we grew, or we raised our family out here, but I was at Papua. I thought Papua was probably too big. You know, four or five hundred in the class for my kids. I wanted a little smaller. That's why we moved out here. You know, mm-hmm. and so we raised them out here, and that small town atmosphere is there. Where on a Friday night the gym is packed, and and because that's the only show in town, and and that's kind of what drew me there was, um, yeah, that idea because I grew up in a small town. Yeah, you know, I grew up in a small town where they took five busloads of kids to our district final game. I mean, you don't see that anymore. It costs anywhere. Yeah. If you get one busload of kids going to a, you know, but they took five busloads of kids over to our district game in, in, in Denison, Iowa, you know, that gym just packed. Mm-hmm. And and that, that feeling of, of, of it's, a, it's a big deal. Interestingly, uh, I was a little shocked after our first game. I've got girls who... I'm trying to give, you know, and I like to talk a little bit, right? So that's probably why you had me on the podcast. You probably had a two-hour podcast you want to sell or something. I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm in after the post-game speech, and I got girls looking at me like, I got to go. And I'm like, go? Where are you going? We're, we're still talking about the game. Like, no, we got to go cheer for the boys' game. Yeah, I'm, like, what do you mean? Yep. I'm like, what do you mean, cheer? Yep. They go, no, we are literally cheerleaders for the boys' game. We have girls that play our game and cheerlead. I mean, when do you, where do you see that in the Metro? You don't see that. Yeah. And, you know, and they we're cheerleading for the boys game. And I go, oh, you guys are cheerleaders. Yeah. Okay. So we had to cut it short. And so, you, and, you know, there we had kids yesterday that were not going to be able to make it. We had low numbers yesterday over at Boys Town because there was a cheer camp. And, and then, then, then in a, one or two get were able to ask permission to come over and, and so you really got to work with each other down there between cheerleading and fbla and you know small towns they still you still get involved in a lot of things yeah you know, that, just specializing. that was a, that was a shock to me too whereas like uh um and i i you know the the longest i talk after a game may be five minutes you know usually i try yeah. to get i try to keep it to a couple two or three minutes mm-hmm. uh, and then get them out because i've i've learned the more you talk after a game, usually that's going to just get you in trouble because then you start, oh, that's you, good. You, you know, you know, and, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, you know, I got to go cheer at the boys. Game. That was, that was, that was a, that was a change for me as well. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what process you went through, uh, Dave, but, but, um, and, and, and every community is different, but I, I know you could probably, uh, sympathize or understand when when i say you know you're you're in a community like omaha and there's there's a lot of stuff let's just let's just leave it at that there's a lot of stuff and one of the things that i wanted to do uh on my list especially after being at a private school for so long was i wanted to be in a 
community or I wanted to be in a place where, okay, for better or worse, if these are our five sixth graders, these are going to be the the five kids that we have to work with, or here's our nine seventh graders, or, you know, and hopefully it's more than that each year, but um, you could, you could do that. I mean, I'm sure it happened to you at Papillion where you thought a kid was coming to Papillion and then halfway through their eighth grade year, they decide that they're going to go somewhere else because of the way things are set up. And, and and whether that's, that's, whether that's going to a different public school or they decide to go to a private school or whatever it may be. Marty, Uh, I got, I got a story for you. Okay. okay? You're not going to believe this. You, You trying to get after a state championship. We, we had built it, you know, we went to state five years in a row there in the middle during the Rory years, and we were we were on our way. That I don't know if you remember our team. We were twenty. We were undefeated for. The, I don't know when the last time. Well, anyway, we were undefeated. We went to the finals. The only game we had lost the whole entire year, including districts and everything, was the finals of the Metro Term. We were twenty-one and one. Okay, uh-huh. with one of the Rorys. Um and I think it was Kyla. You know, Kyla went on and played at Michigan State. You know that. Yeah. Or no, Kelly did. Sorry. Kyla was, went to Minnesota. So, Kelly, so Kelly's senior year, we had a really good team. Guess who was supposed to be our point guard in that class? Oh. Um, we were 21-1 and one without her. Vonnie Turner. Oh, yes. Yes. Vonnie Turner was in my eighth grade camp. Lived in La Vista. Vonnie Turner stays at Papillion. We have three titles, mm-hmm. okay? Because the team, guess, we had to play against Vonnie in the state tournament when she was at Bellevue East. Bellevue East, yep. We, we played against Vonnie in the state tournament and got beat in a tight game playing against her. If she plays for us, we, we may have went, we may have had a 60-game winning streak yeah. uh, with, with Kyla, right, or Kelly. Yeah. I mean, think about that potential, and and uh, that's what I'm telling you. You would lay up if if if, if I had to have that and thought that that was going to be my defining moment as a head coach to win 60 straight games and you know blah blah blah. You wouldn't sleep at night thinking of what you missed out on, and that's what you just said. And, and Bonnie's situation was was not anything other than just a, a family decision and. and um, Family dynamics and things have changed for them. Mm-hmm. And so she ended up going to Miller South, playing for Rich Olson for one year, if you remember that. Yep, as a, yep. and then as she a went freshman, to Bell East. Yep. And went to Bell East. And so, and, and uh, um, interestingly, Connie Yori actually came to Papillion during school and, and met with me talking about Bonnie and wanted to know if she, you know, blah, 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 and what I thought of her at, at and, and was, was getting ready to recruit her. And as you know, she went down there and played for her and did a fantastic job. And yeah. I think she went over and played overseas. Yeah. Well, she ended um, up in the WNBA for a while, too. Oh, yeah, she did. She did. And I was telling my girls this this summer. and Because we got some seventh and eighth graders that are wanting to come and, and participate in summer camp uh, at the high school. And we let them do it. And um, one, of my, <laughs> one of my coaches, we have a, a, a couple pretty good seventh and eighth graders that, that can shoot the ball. And, and uh, um, uh, <laughs> my girls were just looking at me like, what kind of a story was that? <laughs> uh, one of my coaches said, well, aren't we going to give, um, I won't say names, but we had a, a girl that won the hot shot shooters uh, uh, eighth grader currently and aren't we going to give that to her and i said she's not in high school he goes we don't care 
she's the best shooter at this camp today. We're giving her the award. And I said, no, we're not. Last time I did that, I gave Vonnie the hotshot award when she was in seventh grade. She ended up in the WNBA and didn't even play for us. So I'm not going to make that same mistake. <laughs> That's good. That's good said, stuff. No more, no more giving seventh graders awards like that because uh, apparently they, they leave your program. <laughs> you know, Dave, I, I know this last season was frustrating for you uh, and your staff. Uh, you had a lot of kids back from a pretty good team the year before. Yes. Uh, but you just had, I mean, Hawkeye Pierce was was uh, helping take care of your team this year. And if you understand <laughs> that reference, you're my kind of guy or gal there. So I do. Uh, I do. But, uh, you know, it was, it was just a, a year where you just couldn't get healthy, just couldn't get things right, couldn't get, you know – everybody going in the, in the same direction and in, in large part because of health. Uh, that's oh, the, no doubt. W- without a doubt. Um, I think we had up to five pretty major injuries. Yeah. And uh, two, two were season long, two seniors, never uh, two, two seniors out uh, who would have played significantly. You know, that one yeah. was a knee injury before the first game. I uh, felt really bad for her and, and our other seniors, same thing, played for a while and then finally had a foot injury come on that she just couldn't get back from it and felt really bad for both of those kids who basically were not allowed to, to get involved their senior year and help push us, you know, mm-hmm. push us through. So they're two right there, done. Yeah, and yeah. then then another knee and Pike, you knew that. I love the Pike yeah. with her, her knee and she, she was out. And then we had... Uh, Lauren, who was the state class B high jump champion the year before, uh, her her knee was out several weeks. There's mm-hmm. four, and then and then a uh, um, couple other ones off and on, you know, concussions and things like that that sure. come and go. Yeah, but, but yeah, very very challenging. Yeah, very challenging. What what uh, you know, trying to navigate that? How did you you know? Because we always assume that. I don't want to say I always assume. Again, the more seasoned and experienced that you get, you kind of assume this and this and this is going to go wrong. You know, it's you know, improvement's not going to be linear and things yeah. like that. But even even then, I mean, from the outside looking in, it's just like, oh my gosh, those those guys just can't catch a break this year. Yeah. Uh, you know yeah. what? Uh, you know how did you? try to keep everything pushing forward in a positive manner when it was just yeah. one after another, after another, after another. Oh, it, it was it, honestly from, I've been doing this for almost 35 years. I've never seen that many injuries on, I mean, everybody gets a knee, you know, so-and-so is out for the year, but I didn't very rarely hear three knees and, 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 you know, so what you got to do is, you know, Honestly, we ended up twelve and twelve, so we navigated through all that. End up, have, in my mind, having a five hundred—you know, not a losing season, right? That's yep. yeah. And I was hell bent on 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 that happening. And I'm telling telling our girls, we are not a losing team. We are not. We we are going to have a winning season, and we are going to find a way. And and we did. We ended up, you know, on one of them. I just kept okay. We're you know at one point we were like two and nine, or you know two and something. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And we ended up twelve and twelve. Think about that. Yeah. And so we we basically just stubbornness. We just flat out said this is going to happen. We were and I told our coaches, you know, and they're kind of like, well, everything's not about the record. You know, sometimes seasons things happen, but. 
I, I wanted to have a winning season. I want, We wanted to get to that because I knew that might be a good stepping stone going into this year on improvement. Mm-hmm. And, we, and and so we just we just really, really stayed with it. And the younger kids stepped up and 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 uh, improved. And, you know, so we basically have all everybody back. Mm-hmm. After, and other than our, you know, our two seniors that got hurt just that, that end up not playing at the end. But, yeah, just basically being stubborn and not giving up. But I guess the life, the life lesson there is you never, ever, ever give up. Mm-hmm. Never, ever give up. That's one of our – we never give up. Um, we, we had some games where we were down at time. We're looking at each other like, well, this is going to be hard to come back. And But we just tell the girls, we don't give up. And mm-hmm. we came out. I think I forget which game it was, but we came out and hanged up hitting a bunch of threes. And, and I think it was Raymond Central. And yeah. hit a bunch of threes and – Exciting when we we won a game at the buzzer on three and we were down halftime. It looked like we were never going to hit a shot, and and so I think there's a lesson there that character building culture. That's part of the culture you and I had talked about that we were going to talk about a little culture today. Is that we we just have to, you have to be a little stubborn in what your culture is going to be like, and you're being tested. You know, you know how the old saying goes that. Uh, Everybody can be happy and smiling when everything's going well, but your true character is exposed when things are not going so well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what we were working on is what, how, what is our character? What is our culture? Mm-hmm. And you just keep reminding kids. And I'm a big believer that you can spend your entire career, you can spend your entire season, you can spend your entire week or your entire practice, depending upon on trying to accomplish something. It only takes one bad incident from either a coach or a player to destroy it. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a game, could be a halftime, it could be a season. And so we always tell our kids, you have to protect our culture. And how do you protect your culture? By what you say, how you treat people, how you act. And and it only takes one incident to blow the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, that's kind of where our season was hinged on several things where we just had to stay with it. Had to stay with it, you know. Coaches, do you want to look good? Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good-looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. All right, Dave, at at this point, we are going to switch gears. Uh, We're going to jump into our John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, So we, we take a... We take a, a, a section of Wooden's A Lifetime of Observations, and uh, we put it out here, and, and I'll read it to you, and tell me what you think. Sound good, sir? Okay. All right? Yeah. All right. So, uh, from page 141 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, today's John Wooden quote of the day is, 
The star knows he or she's important and hears it from a variety of sources. You must make sure that others on the team, those born to blush unseen, understand that their role is also very, very important. They should never feel their efforts are wasted in the star's shadow. Okay. Well, that's one when you talk about culture, right? Yep. That is interesting that you pulled that up because that's one of our um, fundamentals in our culture that we're trying to create here at Ashland was that everybody matters. And it's what John's saying there basically, is, and, and he, I guarantee you, he led by example and his players knew how he treated the janitor how he treated the the food server how he treated the the bus driver on trips or etc and he's not just talking about just the uh, the players he's talking about everybody involved in your culture mm-hmm. matters how you treat the the least person the least they're not the least person they're they're, they're basically from the most people's perspective the the person who's not the star right how you treat them is it matters is what he's saying, and that everybody has a role, including the bus driver and the janitor. And how you treat your and you know this, Marty, you you better treat your janitors well in the program. Oh, yeah. they're, they're the guys oh, yeah. when you lose your keys, they're the guys giving them to you when you can't get the lights on, and and you know and and I think that's what he's saying. It's not just the the the, the bottom player on the bench. He's talking about everybody in life. He's talking about everybody in life. How you treat other people, and that's that's. That's shown by you as the head coach. It starts with you, and they're going to take your example. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, and I, I think that's what he's saying. And that goes down through the players too. And and it's really easy to say that, but you have choices. And uh, I, I, I think this game and this life and this game of basketball is is is, is all about choices. How you choose in certain situations is going to dictate how how you are seen as a leader and then and that means you have a choice when when the star makes a, a mistake or the star has to be reprimanded do you have the guts do you have the resolve to hold them accountable as you would uh, a player who's not a star that makes a mistake and it'd be really easy to beat that kid up that that, that loses the game um or misses a free throw that costs everybody the game and 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 blame them, whereas the star makes it. You say, well, they've done so many good things for us that we'll give them a break. You know how how you treat everybody. You got to be valued. Everybody's got to be valued in the program. And I think that's what I've read his book, and I think that's what I I, I take from that is mm-hmm. that, that that that's part of his culture. Yeah. You know? You know, that's kind of funny that you say that, Dave, about janitors and secretaries. I, Whenever I have a student teacher, I have a, I came up with a, a sheet. Uh, and if anybody wants it, just reach out to me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Um, Mr. Plum's tips for young teachers. And there's 15 bullet points on there of, of things you should do as a young teacher. And, yes. and number four on that, uh, be best friends with the janitors and the secretaries. When you need something from them, and you will... They will get it faster for you if you're not a jerk to them. Oh, you know, and, and you, no made me, you made me think of that there. So no, and you know what's funny? And my my girls, I I, I do like to talk. I, I I like to share because I just 
I know that any time I could be done and be irrelevant. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to still be relevant where yeah. people, you know, they have to listen to you. But I mean, you know, you're, uh, I guess they have to. You got them, you're a captive audience, right? Yeah. So, and pretty soon I'll, you know, I'll be in a nursing home and then I'll be begging them to come see me. But um, you're just mumbling but, to yourself in a recliner. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like, you know, like at home when, you know, my wife's not listening to me. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, I tell the, the, the girls, I don't know if, whether they like it or not, I raised my daughter and, and, and she, she chose pretty well and her husband, but I always tell our, our girls and things like that when you're choosing a, one of the most important things that's going to happen to you in your life is who you choose to marry. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I, I tell them, watch how your boyfriend treats the waiter at the restaurant. Watch how that's happening because if that's not going so well for the waiter, that could be you someday. You know, mm-hmm. watch how he treats the guy that cuts him off in traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, 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 you oh, know, absolutely. choose wisely, choose wisely and, 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 and be patient. And I tell him that all the time, just be patient. You know, that's one of the most important choices you're ever going to make. And, and, and just, you know, so that kind of goes back to this philosophy, like you're saying with John Wooden and, and John Wooden was, was, as you know, is about way more than just basketball. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, all right, Dave. Let's uh, let's jump into some of your more specific coaching philosophy type of stuff here. Um, I, I think uh, it's always interesting, and I think it's a, always a great reminder. And and it's something that that it's it's hard you know, uh, with our first topic here, communicating with with your parents, um, because you have to communicate with them, but you don't want to over communicate with them. Uh, right. you, you have to be careful what you say, how you say it, so forth and so on. Uh, what would be for for your from your perspective? What would be your uh, big things when it comes to communicating with parents? What would be your advice uh, for for coaches there? What are some things that you've done? Maybe mistakes that you've made, and and some things that you feel like you've done well. Yep. Well, I learned this a long time ago from John Waters, my old. Uh, uh, my seasoned, uh, my former AD at Papio, um, he was very good about having an open door. You know, you, and you and I both know that this is this gets tricky when we get. Here's the deal, and you and I talked about this. How do we get more people in the profession, and how you manage you, your culture is 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 is. is probably way more important than, than how you manage your X and O's. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, you can X and O's. That's temporary. That's for one game. Next game, you might make the wrong call, but how you manage your culture, there's very little room for slippage and you have to be willing to allow parents to vent knowing that they're in the moment. They're, they're, they're awfully invested in, in, in their daughter or her son and that give them a little bit of a break and let them vent a bit and move on. And, and because two weeks later, they're going to be giving you a high five when you win the game and, and their daughter did really well or whatever, yeah. but give them, give them a little wiggle room. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I'm, and I really believe this, that unless you've ever, I became a better coach when I started having kids. When yes. you don't have kids, yep. it's very easy to be really critical. It's just, it's really strange. And, and that until you become a parent, once you become a parent, you, you, you do change. And, and John said that. He said, you know, parents will change 
sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, when their kids come through. But give them a little bit of a break. Let them talk. Let them talk. That's all they want is to be heard. Because you got to remember, you have more control over their kids for most of the day than they actually do. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit of a struggle on on, on who's going to have control over their kid. And mm-hmm. so give them a little bit of room. They still, they still, you know, that that is their kid. And and you're just borrowing them for for a bit. And so I, I guess the the best way to put this is to communicate with them. And I'm not just talking about when the bus leaves. Okay. Uh, and I do this on my team app. Um, and I tell our assistant coaches, yeah, I get it. This is about when the bus leaves and what time was shoot around. And all of that is critical. Um, because, um, families are busy, right? Yep. And families have choices. They don't have to play basketball. They can play another sport. If you're unorganized and you're not communicating with them and it's a pain in the neck for their family, they'll just do another sport. Yep. They'll just say, we, we don't have time for this. This is, you know, this guy's unorganized and, and Susie, we're going to play, you know, they, they start making those decisions in seventh and eighth grade on, on which direction they're going to go with things or probably earlier than that now. So, okay, be a great communicator. Yep. No, no, no doubt. But I'm also talking about communicate your culture. Parents only know your culture through most of the time what they see of you on the sideline and what their when their son or daughter comes home from practice or after a game, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, if the only window they have into your soul as a coach is through their kid, that can be warped depending upon how much they're playing and 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 those type of things. So, through our team app. I constantly put out, I don't care if it's an open gym or I don't care if it's a, a shoot around. I will throw that out there, take a picture of our three or four girls at the shoot, shoot around on a, on a May morning. And, you know, and during school, I'll have four kids that have shot or whatever, and according to NSA rules, four. Yep. And, and, and take a picture of them and put it out there. And what that does is when, your players go home and say, well, Coach Hubert doesn't really, you know, he's here or whatever, maybe saying that, well, we don't have any opportunities. No, I saw on the team app today there was four girls in there shooting. Why weren't you in there shooting? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you have to, if you let somebody else paint the picture of your culture or drive the narrative of your team, you're in trouble. You have to drive the narrative and 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 be the have the most impact on your culture and advertise that. Your parents need to know that you are doing you are shooting on the gun at, at six thirty and there were four girls in there. And mom or dad will go, wait a second, you need to get out of bed and get in there and get some shots up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in other words, how hard you're working has to be shown to your parents because your parents really don't know. If you have a player that really doesn't want to get out of bed, really doesn't want to get in there, they really don't want their parents to know that everybody else is doing it. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. So that that's my point there is you, you, you not just when the bus leaves, not just whatever. It, it's all about how we're doing. And if you're being positive uh, with those kids and saying, hey, great job for you four girls getting here today. Maybe we'll get four more tomorrow morning with that, you know, yeah. and really appreciate your efforts. Then the, the, the parents feel good about that. And they know that you appreciate them getting out of bed and, 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 and working hard for your program. You know, one, one of the things that I did and, and I really have started to think about this uh, again, us seasoned and experienced guys. Yes. Uh, life is different for these kids today 
And what I try to do on occasion and when it's appropriate, I don't want to give out, I never want to give out any false praise. I want to be realistic. I don't want to be uh, the the false praise guy, but you know, we played, we, we hosted a a team camp at our place on Thursday. And by the end of the day, on Thursday, we, we played four shorter games, but we were, my kids were gassed. They were absolutely gassed. And it wasn't because, it, in, you know, basketball was part of the reason why they were gassed, but also because they had done strength and conditioning four mornings at 7 o'clock in the morning that week. Oh, yeah. Along yeah. with a skill session for basketball, along with whatever they're doing with their AAU team, along with either softball or volleyball or cross country that they're doing a couple of mornings a week, you know? So I just sent my kids a text message and just said, Hey, I really appreciate it. I know that you're, uh, you're being pushed really hard in a lot of different directions right now. And I truly appreciate how hard you worked today and that we got better and, and so forth and so on. And, I think that you know things like that uh, can help you with your parent communication by being genuine. Again, not false praise, but genuine right. praise for not a result, not a win, not a great performance, but just the mere effort. fact of effort and toughness and, and and that type of thing. Uh, yeah. the, the the kids the kids understand that I think. I did a great point. Great point. Just because um, people have choices, they can choose to play for you, or they can choose not to. And and you and I are both trying to build programs in small towns, and every player matters. Everybody yes. matters, and and you don't have the luxury of numbers. Um, and so you got to work with kids. We're in a day where starting to be in in class a for sure and probably class b where kids are specializing so much where they'll just choose uh you're not gonna work with me i'm i'm, I'm not i'm i'm not playing yeah. you know if and, and you know i went through a lot of volleyball and softball players at Papua. You. I, mean, oh, yeah. I was yeah going through there i we're talking about the number one softball program in the country yeah uh at, at 11 straight titles right yeah uh, state titles for during that time. And then when Egbert was the head volleyball coach with, you know, we got Gina Mancuso, Chelsea Albers, the Ramju, you know, Ann Ramju, you know, Lene Vandenhall, you go on and on and on. I mean, I've got those kids, that are the Roigs were at Minnesota, Texas Tech, uh, Nebraska, North Carolina, you know, those kids all played major division one basketball. I had a choice to make. I was either going to work with them when Chelsea Albers comes running up to me and says, coach, I got to be in Lincoln in 45 minutes for volleyball practice. I know it's 530 and we're going to be shooting free throws. I can play hardball or I can say, Chelsea, make sure you get something to eat. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, that kid's going to play all four years. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm, got a different narrative going because she plays two years and quits her sophomore year you know mm-hmm. yeah so you, you you have to work with kids and appreciate i tell our coaches do you realize that she's running she's getting into a car eating lunch rushing down to lincoln to play on her uh get to her volleyball practice and she's probably got some homework to do tonight. Yeah. So we're not, and they're looking at me like, are you going to allow her to leave? What's that guy? You know, I'm like, yes, she's allowed to leave. And I won't just do it for Chelsea. I will do it for the next kid that comes up and says, hey, I've got CCD at, at, 
at six and, and you're we're going a little over here can i get out of here yes you can it's not your fault that i'm being stubborn and going along yeah get yeah. out go you know you better not just let chelsea go you better let anybody who has a, a, a legit reason work with them their kids yeah work with them. How, how do you keep that balance with with your parents and again communicating with the parents of you know hey i i know volleyball is your number one or i know softball is your number one I understand that basketball is number two, but this is also important to you know Mary and Becky and Susie as well. Yeah. And that yes. and, and and for Mary, Becky, and Susie, this basketball is their number one. So, yeah. We, what can we do to to make this work so that we get the most yes. out of everybody? How do you do that? But you're right there. You could write a book on this. I mean, this is this is where the rubber hits the road right here. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this, what you're talking about right here is the difference between having a program, multi-sport athlete program that you can grow and a program that's going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is right here with this very topic. And I know because I've had conversations with several coaches, even this summer, they're, they're struggling with that. Um, it's a balance. And it's all about what it, it goes back to what you said earlier about how you treat people mm-hmm. and it's not and a lot of times a lot of times it comes down to that six foot two girl that plays volleyball um and the player that's five foot five that might be your you know ninth player on the bench going well how you are giving her breaks you're letting her miss games you're letting her miss practices and you won't let me miss anything without running you know what i mean so it's very delicate how you handle that mm-hmm. you have to have a system and we don't call it a punishment you got to have a consequence so and the consequence has to be fair across the board that that it has to be pliable to everybody across the board that if you and it has to be spelled out okay if you miss practice or you leave early you'll miss print a lot of it's irrelevant you don't need to run them in the ground it's just the fact that you hold them accountable yeah you yep. gotta run run early and most of the time they'll gladly say coach can i run my sprints now i gotta go so you honestly it's about being firm but fair yeah and across the board now i'll be honest with you where it gets tricky with what you're talking about is when it comes to games. Yes. Now, a practice, most people aren't going to really be affected much if Chelsea takes off at 5.30 and they get to stay till 5.40. Well, so be it. I mean, but, you know, and um, what it comes down to is games. Now, if Chelsea's missing a major game, everybody's going to pay because our chances of winning are going to drop significantly with our six-foot-two star in the middle, right? Yep. That's what you're talking about. And I don't know that I have the answer for that one. Uh, Several coaches are going through that right now that I know in in the Metro. And what do I do? Do I just not not have volleyball players and softball players involved and soccer players? Because, you know, they might be in California for two tournaments, three to three during the winter. I'm going to miss this many games. Kids are basically coming up to coaches. And this is where you're going to be at. They're going to come up to you and say, I'm going to miss five games due to soccer tournaments in California or wherever. And let's get this laid out right now. And their parents are getting smarter too. And they're coming and say, what are you going to do there? Are we going to, are you going to punish them when they come back? Should we even play? And they're basically forcing you to show your hand right away and say, how are you going to handle it? So you got to have a plan. And I don't know that I can, can 
you know, have the magic uh, solution for this. But all I can tell you is that you better have a plan of how you're going to handle missing games. Mm-hmm. That is the big key. Yeah. Because I, I I know that there's there's players right now that, <laughs> that have just stopped playing basketball because of, of the, the it's not worth it. If you're going to miss you know, a significant amount of games, you're not going to let me play the next game. you got to figure out. Now, if they've already missed a game, do you punish the whole team by now let, not letting them play the next game, right? Yeah. So the punishment is really – or the, the consequence is really important. Yeah. I, it, can, it can be multiplied up to you miss five games. Now you got to miss it on another game. That's 10. Yeah. That was even worth playing. Yeah, and and that's kind of one of the things. Well, my my last year at my old job, we just yes. ran into a, a, a rash of yes. stuff uh, yeah. in, in that regard, dealing with yeah. outside stuff. And yes. and uh, what was like if they if they tell you in June or July or even September, you can kind of say this or that. What we were running into was. It's Thursday, and I'm leaving for Las Vegas tomorrow um, yes. to go to go do this and that. I'm like, so well, you that, didn't, you didn't, you know, you've known about this for a while, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, why didn't you tell us? Yeah. Well, we thought you'd be mad. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. and so, um, you know, one of the things when when I was out was I was like, I've got to figure out something better. Um, and yeah, and, and I, you know, kind of came up with, uh, like you said, it's it's not punishment, it's a consequence and, and here's your consequences. And and I think I got to the, you know, like there's, there's three levels for missing a practice and there's three levels for missing a game. And and once you get to the third level of missing games, I basically put in there, if you're going to miss this much, then it is it really worth your time and my time for you to participate and I'm, I'm not. I'm not telling you not to. I'm just saying, are you really into this, or do you need to go specialize somewhere else? Because obviously, you're with some sort of group, or you're with whatever it may be. I don't. I don't know how to phrase that exactly. Um, they're basically, and here's the thing: I always tell kids, if you have adults not allowing you to be a teenager and having a good high school experience. With yes. the activities that you want to be involved in, now, let's say soccer is your number one and basketball is your number two, and and you love soccer and you want to go to college and play soccer. But you know what? I still like playing basketball, and I like playing basketball with my friends and and so forth and so on. Then you should still be allowed to do that as a teenager. I, I, I and if and I if agree. you have and if you have people, whomever those people may be telling you, well, you've got to be at this and this and this and this, and you can't miss this or else you'll never get a scholarship, then, then I tell our kids, I've told kids, is that person really there for your best interest? Because they're they're telling you that you truly enjoy, you're telling me you truly enjoy playing for me, for our program, for playing with your friends, and that you can help us have success. Yeah, yeah, coach, I do, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay, then... Why would you spend time with this group um, telling you that you can't have that part of your experience, of your high school experience? Right. Well, how does that add up, kiddo? And, yes. and And I think those are conversations that you have to be willing to have not only with your players, but also with your parents and say, yeah. you know, this is what your daughter's telling me. If I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. But if this is what's going on, then why not try to find something else that's going to allow her to have these dual track experiences and yet still get what she, what he or she wants? 
Yeah, exactly what you talk about is communication. You, you. The problem that I that 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 most of the time that I've learned is you're either com- communicating with one or the other, but not both. Mm-hmm. You have to. And that's why coaches that come in have mom or dad sit down. And and if there's young coaches listening out there, that I, I think. This is where, again, where the the key element, everything we're talking about here, is, you know, a lot of people think, well, if I'm just, I'm I'm organized and I I can get all the buses lined up and all the X's and O's, I'm going to be a good coach. Well, good coach, you need players. You need players. How you manage your parents and your players is more important than your X's and O's. Because especially the better your team is. Yes. So you can't, a lot of coaches will say, they're my they're my players. I'm going to communicate with them. The parents can just uh, they can just wait and talk to me later and, and in the summer, and then we'll talk about it. But right now, I'm too busy coaching your kid. I, I think you got a mistake there. We're going to have to train our young, but that's what. Let's be honest, Marty. That's why a lot of these young coaches are saying. I I've, I've, I know several without naming names. There are several people who've come in, been a head coach two or three years, had some pretty good success, and they're done. They mm-hmm. never coached again. And and why are you and I still in it after thirty five years? There must be something there that that's driving us to still be around kids. And uh, but honestly, if we're going to get young people, because right now the perception is, I, I just can't handle the parents. I just can't handle the the all the the multi sports people running all over the place and, and et cetera. Families are busy and they just don't coach. They yeah. just don't coach. We're losing teachers and coaches, let's be honest. And a lot of it has to do with the family dynamics and how busy everybody is. You you, you gotta flip that around and say, yes, I'm willing to work with parents. Parents are not evil. Nope. Uh, our the society that we're living in with social media and and the family the dynamics of the family definitely is putting pressure on our parents. Mm-hmm. Trying to raise kids, yes, and trying to, and so they're, you know, they're struggling too. They need our help as coaches. And if you just sit down and talk to them, you know, parents are, you know, honestly, um, overall, really good. You once in a while you yeah. get somebody who, you know, who's a little upset at you and this and that. And you you got to be willing to stomach a little bit, and 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 you know, you don't have to back down and be. You know, but but you you can just listen. Let them vent a little bit. And most parents are really good if you just let them tell you what they think. Yeah. You know? and, and then you nod and smile. And you say, okay, well, hey, that's great. Okay. And, and, yeah. You yeah. walk we'll, away. We'll work with them. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin Video Library. So let's close on this, Dave. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, trying to get more young people into coaching. Uh, I, I, you brought this up when we were texting yesterday, and I thought, man, that's a. That, I don't know if we've ever really talked about that, and and I think it's a legitimate conversation that needs to be had because, like you said. Uh, young 
people are having a harder, harder time. We're, we're having a harder and harder time finding teachers and finding coaches. I know uh, without a doubt, uh, talking to in my, uh, we're getting less teachers and teachers colleges. We're getting, yes. uh, we're getting less coaches. Uh, a lot of times people who want to coach say, well, okay, I'll coach AAU. Uh, but I don't want to coach a high school program right, uh, right. because of some of the dynamics that we were talking about before. So, you know, I've got one son that wants to be a teacher and a coach, and I've got another son that is, you know, considering getting into the profession in some way, shape, or form, still still trying to kind of figure some things out. Uh, but But that's, you know, they're coming directly from the coach's tree. Their dad has been doing this a long, long time. Um, and having that influence of good people as good teachers and good coaches. Uh, but then, you know, we have, we have people, uh, again, the, uh, a small minority, but it's, it's, it's a loud small minority that we want great teachers. We want great coaches, but we want to win and we want them to do it the way that we want them to do it. And I want my kid to have this and this and this. And so, you know, so, so how do we convince young people? people to get involved and not only get involved, but stay involved for a, a good amount of time to, to for the long haul. Yeah, yeah. For the long haul. Yeah. Well, here, here's two thoughts that I have. Uh, and I just forgot what they were. Um, <laughs> because you're seasoned and experienced. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was listening to you and I had two thoughts and I said, I'll remember those two. And now I just forgot. Um, no, I think number one, you have to look at it. We have to go back to the root of the problem and say, okay, ask and you and I both have because we've all interviewed young coaches trying to find people to help and we got to go back and find out have them tell us why are you not wanting to go into coaching why are you not because you hear everybody saying that we're we, we heck, we're even having that problem with referees right oh yeah we're, that's another that's another that. big matzo ball out there yeah and 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 then and, and a lot of it goes back to just the society and the way we're living right now uh, we're a little more abrasive than we used to and that's kind of what that be kind movement is. We're trying to get people to soften up a little bit. And, and you know, a lot of it is, is just the way we live. We're just living a frantic social media, high paced world. And it's affecting not only the number of people that want to interact as a referee or, or a coach. It, it's part of it goes to that. And that's a much bigger thing, Marty, that we can't solve on a podcast. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I think you ask those teachers and coaches as you have and I have and say, why, why aren't why, why aren't you wanting to be a head coach? Most of them, let's be honest, I'm a parent, so I can say this, but most people will tell you this, the parents. Mm-hmm. I'm a parent, so they must be talking about me too, you know. So, um, so I think that's number one. I think we have to change our the narrative and change our mindset about parents are evil. We we have to change that. Yeah, and and, and part of the reason some of the problems were created by us coaches that say, "Don't talk to me." Uh, you're crazy. I, I don't. I, you know. I, I don't want. I don't want to deal with you. Part of part of the it, we, we, it, we've created by saying that, and and that's what the wisdom of John Waters and Old Papio was telling me is that <clears throat> no, meet with parents. You you want to be, and he told me you want to be a, a, a coach that only coaches for about three or four years. Don't talk to parents, and and I guarantee you, you'll get out in three years. You talk to parents, and you communicate with parents, and you'll be in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. That's. And that, that's number one. And I think young people need to hear that. Um, and, and and honestly, I heard a coach tell me yesterday, you know, just feeling appreciated. I think 
the perception is that smaller towns, um, and, and I'll be honest, I, I, I feel pretty appreciate down in Ashland just coming in there and just giving the efforts that, that you know, number one, hire a good staff, you know, yeah. which I have, you yeah. know, hire good staff, good people. Yeah. And because parents still, they may not agree with you on everything, but they still do appreciate uh, if, if you're a good example and you treat their kids fair and treat them well and have some fun with them. Um, you know, they still do appreciate that. So I think the fact that it, part of it is, it's just like teachers and part, part of the problem with the teaching and coaching profession is, is currently what we say to a young student teacher or we say to young coaches, part of it is, is coming straight from the, the mouth of those guys, like I said, have been around. If we tell kids, they're looking at us. Yep. Marty, let me ask you this. What, why did you go into coaching? And and, I, and and more than just the love of the kids and all that, I guarantee you you're going to tell me that there was a teacher, coach, or somebody that influenced you that said you'd be good at that. Once, have you thought about being a coach, right? Somebody yeah. that oh, yeah. you grew up with. <laughs> oh, you yeah. You can probably name him. Oh, oh uh, I remember um, I was a freshman uh, in high school, and John, John Doley, shout out to John Owen Doley, my freshman basketball coach, um, geometry teacher. I was terrible at geometry. That's why I teach history. Uh, but uh, he uh, he was my study hall teacher my freshman year, and he was he was uh, doing some stuff with pennies on his desk, and he was, uh, you know, I think he was trying to be subtle about thinking about basketball in the middle of the school day, but you know, he was moving, and he said, "Plum, come up here." And he starts doing this and this, and I kind of said, "What do you think?" He asked me, "You know, what do you think about this? What do you think?" Yeah, you know, what what if we did this and you know that and that type of thing. And and I had that with him. And um, this is going to be funny. And if any of my friends are still with us after an hour and ten minutes of listening to this, but uh, you know, our 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 sophomore high school coach um, was a, a very very, very intense human being. Uh, uh, I mean, he, you know, he, he make, you know, he's, he was up there with the Doug Moody's of the world, uh, believe me. Um, And uh, he actually came up to me after a practice. I can't remember. I think it was my sophomore year. And he said, you know, Kind of like, hey, have you ever thought about coaching? I think you'd do a really good job at it, and um, you know that those are a couple of things. Now th- that being said, they might have said that. Like I, I was thinking about it. Um, you know, this is pretty crazy. I've I, and and a lot of these folks I've had on the pod um, from my high school class. Uh, just and and we had a little class of seventy. We had seventy two kids in my high school graduating class, and I know that because I finished like. 33rd in GPA. So I always remember that because I was like 72 and I was in the top half, baby. That's all I needed to get into college. Uh, but, uh, you know, my high school friend Jay Huff uh, went on to be a high school varsity wrestling coach down at Burlington. And and, and he was at a smaller school before that. Uh, my friend Dick Jungers, many of you have heard him on the pod, you know, multi-state champion at Newell Fonda. Uh, just this past weekend, uh, high school classmate Ben Haugen won a state baseball championship in Minnesota. Uh, Esco, Minnesota, I think is the name of the town, you know? So, uh, 
we weren't very good. Uh, I, I think we had a bunch of guys who were not very good athletically, but we had pretty good minds for what was going on out there. And uh, I think, I don't know, it's kind of weird that we had so many of those type of folks. And I'm, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody along the way. But, uh, you know, it's, well, Marty, it's, 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 it's interesting. Do you remember when you were at NSAA last summer and you were out there demoing for some of those clinics? And I, I were, dominated. Even with you, flip-flops, I you, dominated, you, yeah. You, you did. I, I could tell you were an, uh, an ex-athlete that needed to be a coach because I, I think you were so comfortable being on the bench as a player <laughs> that when your coach said you'd be a good coach, I think he kind of meant maybe even that year he wanted you, since you were around the bench so much. <laughs> I, I, I was having mail just, sent to the bench. Let's put it that way, you know. Yeah, yeah. just just, just go ahead and, and stay. Let's yeah, just yeah. keep you on the bench here. I think that's kind of what he was talking about when he asked you if you want to be a coach. Yeah, f- funny story about that day last, last <laughs> summer. I literally said, I'm going to wear flip-flops. I don't know. I'm not going to need tennis shoes. I'm not going to need tennis shoes. <laughs> I'll just, I'm just going to wear my flip-flop. So Flynn gets out there. He starts demonstrating. First freaking person he looks at. Hey, Marty, why don't you come out here? Oh, are you kidding me, Kelly? You know, so. Oh, I, I'm telling you, that that was the most fun I had all week down there was watching you guys flop around out there, guard each other, all trying to to make excuses why you made a bad pass or whatever. And I was like, well, now you know what your players go through. Yeah. You do mess up. Yeah. You know, I know I've never made a bad pass, Dave, cause I never passed. No, it. I always just shot it. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kevin, Hey, Kevin Cush. Great. You know, everybody knows Kevin Cush, boys town, you know, uh, famous story. I'm, I'm listening to his halftime speech. I'm the varsity assistant. I'm going down there. He's in the reserve down at Papio in the old tunnel down at the bottom of the PE locker room. I walked by there <laughs> And Kevin Kush says, all right, guys, new plan in the second half. New plan in the second half. We turned the ball over so much, we're not even getting a shot. First guy over half court, we're going to drop kick it towards the goal. <laughs> just <laughs> drop it, just like the old days of football. Uh, Australian rules football here? Yeah. Yeah, he said, honestly, just drop kick it. He says, we'll have a better chance of winning doing that than what you're currently doing. I just about died laughing. <laughs> Oh, uh, very very motivational there so he should have yeah, gone yeah. into speaking or something so oh yeah exactly you think yeah public speaking i knew right then he'd be a good public speaker. yeah uh, so uh dave this has been really fun this morning uh really really enjoyed it um if folks want to know more about you or your program uh what are some some places they can find out about it well um you know, like anything else, social media. We got a guy that one of my young coaches. I was born in the '60s, so I don't even know how to work an alarm clock. But uh, one of my young coaches. Uh, so on, you can follow us on what do they call that? Twitter. That's it's called Twitter. Yes. Oh, because I still have a MySpace account. I don't even know. Is there Facebook? Something new? But, uh, we've got we've got Twitter. How's that uh, AOL follow. email address working out for you? It, it really good. MSN. I have that one too. Uh, Hotmail and you know, all the good ones. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, definitely we, we, we put a lot, quite a bit out there on social media and, um, honestly, Ashland is growing. We're getting, we're getting kids that are, you know, moving down there and we've got, it's exciting down there. We've got a, a brand new gym opening up, uh, this, this winter, um, brand new school. Uh, we got a new elementary with hoops that, that you can raise and lower all the hoops from one switch on the wall. I mean, there's a lot, we're getting a big screen in the, you know, a. a uh, in in the gym, they're they're spending a lot of money on that, kind of like they got down at uh, Platteview, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, yeah, we just, there's a lot going down there. And I think people are looking for that. I'm hearing coaches say that, too, that, that they, they kind of look and get back to that, that small town, kind of like the, And that's probably why, you know, why you're at where you're at. You know, I'm at where at. People are looking for that. Uh, that small town again, and that's kind of what we got going. And yeah. see, I don't know if you know, but my my wife's been the pharmacist at Ashland Pharmacy. We own that for twenty some years, so we've been connected with Ashland for the last twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Um, just not from an education standpoint. So yeah. I've really enjoyed. I, I enjoy it. It's, it's a neat town. Good. So good. Yeah. Well, Dave, I, I hope this has been good for you. I, I, I'm glad uh, your your dentist appointment is over. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have you fill out the insurance forms, and oh, yeah, uh, hopefully your your PPO is is all covered and everything here. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, really appreciate having you on, my man. Well, thanks for having me on, Marty. Yep, uh, Dave Hubert, head girls basketball coach at Ashland Greenwood High School here in Nebraska. Really enjoyed having Dave on this morning. Uh, Again, coaches, uh, if you get a chance, if you need some chiropractic services, go check out Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 144th and Maple here. Give them a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, Download, rate, review, subscribe to this uh, episode as well. Email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. And go check out a penandanapkin.com coaching website. A lot of really, really good things on there. Uh, So go check that out as well. I I hope you've enjoyed episode number 179 as much as we have. Uh, Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.